Welcome to the Ashley Webster Experience. Joining me in studio today, we have Brian Solomon, our trusted... I can't say that every time because my wife says he sounds like a horse. But our trusted producer, Brian Solomon, you're very trustworthy. (laughs) Thank you. More importantly, we have Brandon Judd with us today. This man knows a lot about the immigration battle and what's going on on the southern border, even though, ironically, he lives very close to the northern border. But we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Brandon is the uh, president of the National Border Patrol Council. He's um, currently lives in Montana, which is interesting. You're a 20-year veteran of the Border Patrol. You you also lead what's about 18,000-member union. Is that not right, Brandon? It is correct, yes. So you have a lot on your plate when it comes to immigration uh, issues. Just a um, little bit. Before I get to the reason why you're in Montana, I just want to talk about um, your role as president uh, of, of the council you kind of caught the president's attention back in 2016 when he was campaigning. And that's kind of led to a real interesting relationship you have with the president because he does turn to you and get your thoughts on immigration policy. I mean, could you ever imagine yourself being in that position to actually talk to the president of the United States about how to secure our borders? Oh, we never thought we would, but we we figured that with this president being an outsider, being somebody that's non-traditional, we figured that this would be the person that would actually come in and and, and secure the border. And and he's been that type of person that we thought he was going to be. He's reached out to us on multiple occasions to ask us our thoughts, our opinions on on what needs to be done and and frankly he's implemented an awful lot of the things that he says. He reaches out to all of the experts. He doesn't just stay within government. And, mm. and Ashley, you and I both know that, that the American public doesn't really trust, trust the government very much. No. And so he does. He reaches out to, to experts from around, uh, whether they're in government, outside of the government, and, and that's what he does. And I think that's why he's going to be successful. And especially someone like yourself who's on the front lines. No, Always best to talk to those people who have to deal with these issues day in, day out. And you've been on the southern border extensively. Yes. Um, I remember when the president said, we have a crisis on our hands, and there were those critics, uh, and certainly the Democrats, saying it's a manufactured crisis. Explain why it's not manufactured, and it is real. The first thing that you have to look at is you have to compare uh, crises in the different eras. The biggest crisis that we had prior to this one was back in the early um, late 1990s and early 2000s. Uh, we were arresting more people than we had ever arrested before. Um, we were double double the sizing of the Border Patrol. But that was very different to, than what we're facing today. So although we made more arrests, we weren't dealing with as many people. We were arresting the same people time and time again. For instance, in one shift, in the same shift, I arrested the same group three times in one shift. We would arrest them. We would take them back to the to the Border Patrol station. We would fingerprint them, and we would do what we call processing, and then we would return them to Mexico. They would be returned to Mexico within an hour or two hour of, a, of us arresting them. That would mean that all they'd have to do is just travel back out to the same part of the border, cross the border again, and we would arrest them again. So so let's, let's talk about this group. It was a group of seven individuals that I arrested three times in one shift. That counted as 21 arrests, but it was still only seven mm-hmm. people. Today, it's a lot different. Because the people that we, if we arrest one person, if I'm sorry, if we make one arrest, it's one person. Because the vast majority of these people are being let go into the United States. We're not returning 
them to their countries for them to try again. How frustrating is that? Extremely frustrating. You have no idea how frustrating that is. And what's what's most frustrating about it is is this started these policies started under the Obama administration and President Trump came in and he promised to end these uh these policies and he's been doing all that he can but he constantly gets pushback from Congress and mm. they won't allow him to implement those policies. I mean if you if you look at this uh this deal that he just made with uh Mexico mm. there's been many presidents that have tried to make this deal that were unsuccessful in getting this deal. It took him um, threatening tariffs to finally get Mexico to the table, but he only did that because Congress refused to work with him. If Congress would have worked with him, he would have never he would have never had to have gone down that path. But because they didn't, he went down that path. And as a part of the the resolution so the tariffs weren't put in place, is Mexico says, all right, we're going to divert 6,000, what I guess they call them National Guard troops, to the southern border with Guatemala. My question is, is that enough, and how do we know they're actually doing the things we would like them to do? It's enough as far as numbers. Now, how we know whether they're doing what what we expect them to do is it's going to be dependent upon how many people are crossing the border illegally. Mm -hmm. If the numbers go down, then they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But 6,000 is the right number. If you compare how many agents we have on our border and then you look at how many miles our border is compared to how many miles the the Guatemala-Mexico border is, Mm -hmm. that 6,000 is the right number of people. Now, of course, it's going to be dependent upon are they actually going to uphold their part of the bargain? Are they going to stop people from coming in their country for the sole purpose of coming to the United States and crossing our borders illegally? That remains to be seen. You meet these people, Brandon, and we're told they're just, they're just trying to seek asylum. They fear for their lives. They can't live anymore um, where, from in their native countries. Um, Obviously, we're a compassionate country, and we want we hate to see this in anyone. And I think America is, I say this time and again, but it's true, is an incredibly generous country. But there comes a point, and how many of those do you think are gaming the system? Or I can, if I can just get across the border, I don't care if I get caught, but if I get let go within the, within the United States, I can take off and they will never see me again. That's another great point of contention. Um, border Patrol agents, when we arrest these people, I was just uh, going to take a step back. I was just down in RGV for the last 30 days, mm-hmm. and I was Rio processing Valley. In, in the Rio Grande Valley, and I was processing these individuals that were crossing the border illegally, and I heard their stories. And I, I felt their pain um, because you're sitting across from them and you're, and you're listening to everything that's going on in their country. What we ask is that they show up for their court appearances. Now, if these individuals would show up for their court appearances and they wouldn't just disappear into what President Obama coined the shadows of society, mm-hmm. nobody would have a problem with this. But these people cross the border illegally and then they disappear and never show up to their court appearances. And what that tells us is that they didn't have a legitimate asylum claim to begin with. Because if they did, they would certainly show up to their, their court appearances because then they would get a legal status and they would never have to worry about deportation or getting a job or anything like that again. So let me ask you this. Is the wall, as the president has described it and campaigned on, we're still building it, but is it an effective tool to stop 
this surge across the border? It's an effective tool, but not for the asylum seekers. The asylum seekers will still get in and claim asylum. But the wall is very effective when you look at the number of drugs that are coming across Mm -hmm. our borders, when you look at the number of criminal aliens that are coming across our borders. What those walls do is that allows the Border Patrol to dictate where illegal crossings will take place, where these dangerous um, people or these dangerous substances are going to cross the border, which will then allow us to be a lot more effective. MS-13, um, the the methamphetamines that are coming across, mm. the fentanyl that's coming across, all of those things that are coming across, those walls will allow us to be very successful in stopping these these substances and these people. Well, let me ask you, the, por- the parts of the border where people are crossing, the asylum seekers that are getting through, are those not the same places as the drugs and the MS-13 gang members they're crossing? No. So what, what, what will happen is the, the criminal cartels, they will force these asylum seekers to cross where they want them to cross because what they do is they, they cross these people. We send our resources to take them into custody. We take them into custody. We pull our resources out of the field because we have to go back and process these individuals, and it creates artificial gaps in, in our coverage. And then they cross their dangerous substance or their criminal aliens um, right behind us when we clear out of that, that certain area. So these people are crossing where the cartels want them to cross, but not necessarily where the drugs are going to cross. The cartels just want to uh, distract us, pull us out of the field, and create these artificial gaps. So, so basically what you're saying is that the cartels Cartels are controlling all the migration coming to this country. Cartels control all illegal activity that happens on our border. Every bit of it. Even just the even just the average person that's trying to get into the country that has no criminal background, no not carrying drugs, they still dictate where they go. You have to pay your bribes to the cartels mm. in order to get up to the up to the border. You can't do it without that. Um, it, it's funny because um, twenty twenty two year career. I started my career in El Centro, California. Yep. Um, back then, there were a lot of mom and pop smuggling organizations. Mm. They, they would smuggle drugs and they would smuggle um, um, aliens across the border. Now those are gone. There are no more mom-and-pop organizations at all. These are all controlled by very dangerous criminal cartels um, and and the human suffering that's yeah. involved in this. And, and frankly, I blame that on the liberal politics. If it wasn't for the liberal politics, these individuals wouldn't be forced into the criminal cartel's hands in the first place. If it wasn't so easy to cross the border illegally and claim asylum, if they had to do it the right way, they would never get put into these criminal cartel's hands. Well, now— on the southern border, you know, you're saying that 6,000 people would be enough for Mexico to stop the flow coming into Mexico. But if corruption is so rampant in Mexico, even if you do have 6,000 bodies, do you think that there's still going to be problems getting people, stop enforcing people down there? There's still going to be people that are going to get across because they're going to pay high enough bribes to, to do it. But you're just not going to see the numbers that we're seeing right now because if they do, then President Trump is going to hit them with tariffs. Those tariffs will be economic, cri- economically crippling tariffs. And, and you mentioned liberal politics to pick up on that. Not only can't we get anything sorted in Congress before because of this, but we talk about sanctuary cities, states, California. I mean, that's a huge incentive to people to come into this country illegally make their way to one of these sanctuary cities and feel safe. Not only that, if they commit crimes, they'll be warned and let out if ICE comes in to pick them up. Most of your listeners can can understand that if you can drive 
well beyond the speed limit, you're going to drive well beyond the speed limit. Well, it's the same thing. If these if these individuals know that they can cross our borders illegally and get away with it with no consequences, they're going to do it. And that's what we're seeing right now. And that's what those sanctuary cities do. Those sanctuary cities sends a clear message throughout the entire world that all you have to do is come here, violate our laws, and you'll actually be rewarded. But if you try to do it the right way, if you try to apply mm-hmm. to make it into the United States, you have to wait years in your own country, and you're actually going to be penalized and punished for it. It's a complete and total inverse yeah. of what should happen. So why would anybody do it the right and way? What's fascinating to me is the makeup of the migrants now. It's not just Central America or mm-hmm. people from Mexico themselves. African nations are showing up now in large numbers. And then we had a report that ISIS was looking at this. Of course ISIS would look at this as a way to, to get operatives in. I mean, it's the most vulnerable place the United States has is this southern border. It's, it's very quite, very disturbing. I'm very glad that you pointed that out because that's what most people think. Most people think that all we're dealing with are, are people from Mexico or from Guatemala, mm-hmm. El Salvador, Honduras, and that's as far from the truth as can be. I mean, as, as far back as the beginning of my career back in 1997, we were dealing with Russians. We were de- dealing mm. with Brazilians. We were dealing with with Middle Easterners. No, not in the numbers as we what we were with the Mexicans, but we were dealing with this very steady flow. Now we're seeing people from Africa, which we have not seen before. It's remarkable. We're dealing with Cubans on our on our southwest border. The Cubans used to always just come into Florida. Mm-hmm. Now mm. they're coming up through Mexico. We just had Senator Johnson on the border um, about a month and a half ago, and. What he saw was just uh, groups and groups and groups of, of Cubans that were crossing the border in El Paso. And a lot of these other the people that are coming from other areas, Africa, Eastern Europe, wherever, they're in the same caravans as Central American migrants? They are, yes. Wow. So how can you tell the difference about those who are legit and those who aren't? The fact that you've been rearresting people again and again and again, it's just a game, as you say, that the cartels are essentially orchestrating. Yeah, and, and it's a billion-dollar industry, and that's, yes. the, again, that's, yeah. that's something that's very frustrating. Yeah. But think about that for a second. Um, I've been very outspoken that we're dealing, like Brian, what you said, we're dealing with a corrupt government in Mexico, and it mm. is. That's mm. that's just the, the simple reality. It's not like dealing with our partners to the north, with Canada, um, who has a very stable government. Mexico does not have a stable government. Um, we know that there's an awful lot of corruption. They have, by the way, they have some of the strictest gun laws in the entire world, yet how many gun deaths are there? Mm-hmm. And that's simply because they don't enforce their laws. As long as you have the money to pay, you'll get away with what you need to get away with. And that's what's happening down there. The Mexican government has never wanted to stop illegal immigration because this billion-dollar industry, that money goes back into Mexico. That right. money is spent in right, Mexico. Right. And that helps the Mexican economy, which is why they've pushed back so hard on so many previous presidents to do anything about the illegal immigration crisis. Which always has annoyed me because what they could do is really take that time and effort put corruption aside and try and build up their country, mm-hmm. the infrastructure and everything else that makes it a country where people don't want to get the heck out. Absolutely. Um, so they are complicit in this, no doubt. Well, I, they just uh, – it, it's funny because um, the liberal media was talking about do – you, do you remember the El Chapo um, oh, yes. um, prosecution mm-hmm. yep. trial? Well, El Chapo said that uh, the drugs aren't crossing between the ports of entry. He says they're all crossing between the ports of uh, – they're crossing at the ports well, of entry. Hmm. And everybody, the liberal media used this to beat up President mm-hmm. Trump. Right. Look, see, they're not crossing between the ports of entry. They're crossing at the ports of entry. And they considered him very credible when he said that. 
But then El Chapo also said that the president of Mexico had received, I believe it was $100 million. Oh and all of a sudden he wasn't credible anymore. He was credible it as made... long as you could use that to beat Trump up. But mm-hmm. once he said something that, that proved what Trump was saying, he's no longer credible. But they consider him credible for that one instance. And that's, that's the politics that we're dealing with. And that's the politics that has to be taken out of this border, border security equation. If we continue to have those politics, we're going to continue to have problems. But if ever there's a president that's going to call it out, <laughs> it is this president. What, what's, is. what's your um, interaction like with President Trump? I, know, I think there was a picture. I think you were in it where – he was signing an executive order for the border wall and, and, and more border patrol January agents. 25th, 2017. Right, and you were standing behind him. I was. What was that like? What's he like to, to interact with? He's he's just like what you see on TV. Very genuine. Uh, he, he is. I mean, you what you see on TV is what you're going to get behind the scenes. Um, what I will tell you is in all of the interactions and conversations that I've had with him, the one thing that he constantly says and that something that I, that I always see is he wants to secure the border because he wants the safety and security of the American people. Mm-hmm. That's his reasoning behind this. He says, we have to secure our system. We can't have any more angel moms. We can't have any more angel right. fathers. We can't deal with um, with illegal aliens that are coming across our border to do us harm. Um, and he wants to secure the border for the American people. I just wish people would understand that and would grasp onto it. And if they would listen to him, they would know that. But all they want to do is tear him down over and over and over again. And that's not my interaction with him. Well, I think, and, and you know, I lived in Yuma too. I also uh-huh. lived in Montana, so I'm, we're kind of stalking each other. I was in Yuma for for three years, and El Centro, where you were, was just yep. across the, the river there. It was actually included in the TV market I was in, so it was Yuma, <laughs> El Centro. So sometimes we'd go back an hour to cover a story in California. Um, but it's okay for the elites who who sip their lattes here in New York City and everyone say, how awful these poor people. If you have a ranch down by the southern border or anywhere close to the area, you're living in fear. You've got people streaming across who are desperate. And for them, it's a daily, nightly fear that who's going to end up on your property. That is a very real threat. But it's easy to sit out on the east and the, and, and the west coast and say, oh, how horrible. But you've got to live it to really understand it. That's how people are. Uh, unless it affects them personally, they're just going to say, oh, it's not a big deal. These, this tariffs, it's very interesting that everybody talks about these tariffs and how the price of avocados are going to go <laughs> yeah. up. Um, you know, and, and so <laughs> they'll see that at the grocery store. But what's very interesting is if we actually stopped illegal immigration, your taxes would go down. Mm-hmm. You're just not seeing it because it's coming directly out of your paycheck. But think mm-hmm. about this. CBP just purchased 2.2 million diapers. That's just diapers, okay? Um, but we just purchased 2.2 million diapers. Well, American citizens were not just handing diapers out to American citizens. Well, that purchase of that 2.2 million diapers, that came out of the taxpayers' pockets, which is coming out of their, their paycheck every day. But because it comes out of the paycheck and they don't actually see it mm-hmm. at the at the cash register— mm-hmm. They forget that it's there. But think about that. If we stopped illegal immigration, the billions of dollars Mm -hmm. that we're spending every year on housing, on social welfare, on on the emergency rooms, on the hospital visits, Mm -hmm. on all of those things, if we stopped that— our taxes would actually yeah. come down. And all the focus on that, in that respect, is prison reform. Stop sending, sending so many people to prison and spending all that money on taking care of these people. This is some serious money because that's a constant flow. 
You it know? is, and and people also just the the stress on the infrastructure mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. thousands, hundreds of thousands of of migrants on hospitals, on school districts, yeah. on it just goes on and on. Yeah. Well, you know, I just think that this is the prime example of, like you said, putting politics aside. No matter who it is, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, if you go see it for yourself, it changes you. You've had, you've probably seen a ton of people come there from all across the country, and once they've seen it, they've been changed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We we take people. I'll take any any media on a border mm-hmm. uh, on a border tour. I'll take any politician on a border tour. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny because I always get painted into a box that uh, that all we do is support Republicans. Believe it or not, we support an awful lot of Democrats. Mm. There are some mm-hmm. very good Democrats that are that are very sure. strong on. Sure. On border security, and we'll support anybody that supports border security. That's my area of expertise. That's what I want to look at, and and that's the that's the puzzle that I want to solve yeah. um, when I end my career. Well, you, you know, one of the things that I think hurts this this issue now was that I, I think it was a bipartisan agreement back in two thousand eight during mm-hmm. that election. Right, you had both parties agreeing that there this is a problem, but I think the narrative back then was that. People are pouring into our country. They're going to take our jobs. That was the fear. Even though they weren't, they were contributing to the economy. Mm-hmm. But that was a, a big narrative that you were hearing. Now, President Trump is saying, it's not, I don't care about the jobs. I'm saying, we don't know what's coming in. We don't know who they are. We don't know if they're criminals. Most of them are not, but we don't know. We don't know if they're bringing drugs in. Most aren't, but there mm-hmm. are drugs getting in. And I think because the narrative was originally was very superficial, they're going to take your jobs. They're going to take your money. Rather than now is that they're going to, this is a safety concern. That affects today because I think it softened it from the beginning. And, and you're right. When, when you look at this, when, when President Trump says that there's criminals coming across, that there's drugs coming across, we have the right to vet what is coming across our borders. We should be able to vet what's yes. coming across our borders. Are there criminals coming across? Absolutely. Are, is it every one of them? No, it's not. In fact, the majority of them have no criminal record, at least here in the United States. Now, mm-hmm. what, what's interesting, and I don't know if you two know this, but I don't know. I can never find out what their criminal record is in their own country because mm-hmm. we don't have so access. How can you, yeah. how can you vet how them? You know? Exactly, which is why we have to have them um, apply for visas properly. Mm-hmm. If they apply for visas properly, they'll apply for them in their home countries and will then be able to vet in their home countries whether or not these people should be allowed in. Now, asylum is a little bit different. Now, mm-hmm. Let's let's separate those two. Asylum, by law, you do actually have to come to the United States and claim asylum when you get to the United States. You can't claim asylum mm-hmm. in your in your country of origin, nor should you claim asylum in your country of origin. So that you right. listen and understand, if you, if you truly feel for your life in your own country <laughs> and you ask for asylum while you're in your own country, What's well, gonna that government's yeah. going to take it out on you. Yeah. So it makes sense. But what we should do is we should do just like any other country. What other countries do is you apply for asylum when you get to the next safe country. So if, if you're coming from Guatemala, you should apply for asylum when you get to Mexico. The Mexican government claims that they're a safe government. Every single time that I've seen the State Department put a travel watch on any part of Mexico, I've seen the Mexican government push back, say, why are you putting a, a travel right. advisory on, on, on this? We're safe. Well, if you're saying that you're safe, then when people come into your country, they should be able to apply for asylum into the United States in Mexico. Which and is stay what in Mexico. President Trump has been trying Bingo. to do to stop this get Bingo. across the border and then take off. That's exactly what he's trying to do. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting to me that, that 
you know, I keep coming back to this. It's a manufactured crisis. It is not a manufactured crisis. And one of the things that's always bugged me, and I don't know whether this plays into anything, Brandon, but should there be bigger penalties for employers who hire these people, which is also a huge in, you know, uh, incentive for these people to get into the United States. So once you get there, don't worry about it. You can get away. You can disappear into into a huge country, and there's always people out there that will employ you. If there was a stricter, if there was a you know bigger repercussion for doing that, that may help too. This story is going to surprise you. So I spend. Uh, my job is very interesting. I get to put on a uniform and I get to go patrol the border. And then I get to wear the political hat where I'm back on, on in mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., and I'm talking with congressmen, talking to them about fixes to the border. I actually had a very, very um, staunch Republican ask me exactly that. He asked me, what needs to be done to secure the border? I said, employer sanctions. We have to go after the employers that hire these people and pay them under the table. Right. If you take away that magnet, then you take away that incentive to come to the United States in the first place. This very staunch Republican told me, nope, I'll never do it because my my state's economy relies on cheap labor. Well, wait a minute. And yes. that's a Republican. Ah. That is well. Think about how yeah. hypocritical that whole thing is. Yep, you, you, you're saying on the one hand it's a crisis, on the other hand, but I don't want to hurt well, this the was local four businesses. years. So, so let me let me be clear. This this wasn't recent. This conversation didn't happen recently. This was four or five years ago. Mm. On this that this conversation mm-hmm. took place. Um, but this very staunch Republican did ask what needs to be done <laughs> to finally secure the border. Didn't like the and answer. This. No, he didn't like mm-hmm. that answer. And, and that's the politics. That's yeah. the politics of mm-hmm. it. Politics play play. A role in everything. What I have seen, and and I think it's very very funny because Ashley, I want you to think back and, and and think when all of this partisanship started. Yeah. To me, it started in the Clinton era sure. when Bill Clinton was impeached and the Senate refused. That was controlled by the Democrats. They refused to convict him. That's when I've noticed in my mm-hmm. lifetime. That's when I noticed where this this huge partisan split started and it started there clinton should have been convicted he took advantage of a i believe she was 21 years old Mm -hmm. at the time the most powerful man in the world was having sexual relations with a 21 year old intern in the white house and then he lied about him uh, lied about it Mm. what is not convictable about that but they didn't convict him because of politics. They were worried about their own reelection. They weren't worried about what was best for the United States. And so I'll circle right back to this Republican. Mm. This individual is worried about his own re- – well, back then, he was worried about his own reelection and not what was good for the United States. And that's where our politics have gone wrong. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Sad, isn't it? It is. Um, I wonder, So you're in Montana, so you're patrolling the northern border. I am. Do we have a lot of problem with Canadians? Because I've always thought I love them, but they could be sneaky. <laughs> and while we're all looking at the southern border, you got all these it's drunk not hockey Canadians. players so, coming across the border from the north. <laughs> have you? Depends on the team. You need to YouTube. You, you'll 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 laugh your head off. YouTube Canadian Border Patrol. And and you'll see this this guy who's supposed to be a border patrol agent, and he's in like a, a scout uniform. And and the the moderator is asking him, the the host of the show is asking him, you know, how many are there of you? And he says, Well, Byron, me. <laughs> um, hey, you'll you'll have, you'll have to Google that. But no, it's 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 a different world. We yes. deal with a different sort of people. So it's not we're not dealing with Canadians. Canadians. Oh. 
Canadians are, they can come into the United mm -hmm. States. It's very easy for a Canadian to get a visa to come in the United sure. States, as long as you don't have a criminal record in Canada. Mm -hmm. You can come into the United States almost, you know, right. nine times, 9.9 times out of 10. What we deal with is we deal with the Eastern Bloc countries coming into Canada and into the United is States. That the right? Romanians, absolutely. We just uh, we just arrested a Romanian in 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 Burke, New York. Um, they're they were driving their truck across the border illegally. The truck got stuck. Uh, got stuck. A citizen called and and agents uh, went out uh. there and, and and arrested those individuals. So we deal with a different type of people on the Canadian border than what we do yeah. on the Southwest border for the most part. Um, but we. Still Still, there there is absolutely crime that's still taking place. Are they also uh, claiming asylum or anything like that? Or um, I, I look. You, I wish I wish yeah. I could tell you in this sp specific yeah. case. Yeah. But no, for the most part, the people that come across um, from Canada are not claiming asylum. So, do you think that it's mostly for criminal, um, for more mostly for like, drug trafficking or anything like that? I, I there there is there is drug trafficking coming across. I mean, to to be honest with you, that's not what we do. We don't do right. the investigation yeah. portion of it. What mm -hmm. we do is we we're, we're the uniform portion. Mm -hmm. So we take them into custody, we arrest them, and if there's anything that's suspicious about it, then we'll we'll refer it to the Homeland Security Investigations mm -hmm. or the FBI, mm -hmm. and then they'll take it from there. This is such a huge country, Brandon. I mean, I've had the good fortune to live in many places around it. When I first came from England, I was just absolutely couldn't get my head around how big it was. I think you can get two and a half Englands in Texas. You know, <laughs> let's just put it in perspective here. Um, and so to protect the border on both sides, yeah. it's, it's really difficult. What most people don't know... Uh, the the shared border with Canada, that is the longest continuous land border in the entire world. Hmm. Most people don't know that. I believe it. It's, yeah. it's the <laughs> longest long continuous land border you, in the does, world. Does Canada do their part in protecting the border? Canada is very good. Um, uh, the, the partnership that we have yeah. with Canada, they're extremely good. We're able to communicate with, uh, with the um, Royal Canadian Police, uh, Royal Mounted Our, Community. RMCP. RCMP, yeah. R, yeah, RCMP, that's right. right. Um, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Um, we, we have a very good relationship with them. Um, we communicate very well with them, unlike down on the southwest right. border. Um, so, yeah, they, they do a good job. Um, I, I greatly appreciate um, what Canada tries to do to help us out. Are they as polite as everyone says they are? <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's funny that you say that. It's, it's yeah. really funny because it, it really, it's, it's just like New York and, and, and out west in right. different parts. You know, yeah. if, you, if you go to the, to the middle of the United States, the Iowas, um, the Nebraskas, yeah. you know, the, the people there are very, very friendly. Yes. Um, you know, I, I lived in, I lived in, I, Taught Spanish at the mm. at the United States Border Patrol Academy in Charleston, South Carolina. Huh. Um, you would walk down the street and everybody would say hi to you, and and it was it was <laughs> unreal coming from California yeah. because in California, if you say hi to somebody what as you're you walking down the street, <laughs> exactly, they look at you like you're trying yeah. to take their money or, or something. <laughs> um, and and so it really it really depends. When I was up in um when I was up uh, in in Maine. Um, yeah. and, and you're, and you were dealing with that part of Canada, they're not near as nice as they are out West. It's, it's, uh, it's, the really same. it's the same yeah. dynamic sure, as sure. what it is here yeah. in the United States. My freshman year in college in South Carolina, when some kids started saying in my, my residence hall, Hey, how you doing in the hallway? I said, is he talking to me? I said, <laughs> yeah. What do you want? So what are you looking at? <laughs> I didn't realize, you know what I'm saying? Then you, then you realize that they're actually being nice. <laughs> yeah, it took a year for me to realize that. <laughs> so, so, Brandon, let's see if we can wrap this up. Are you confident, because it just seems like a, a never-ending battle, and it probably will be, but are you confident that we can get the border, the southern border, 
under control to the point where we really do have a, a sense of who's coming in and who's not? I mean, can we stop this surge? I'm optimistic that if Mexico does its part, and now that's the key word, if, I am optimistic that if Mexico does its part, we will, in fact, get the border secure. If they don't do their part and Congress continues to be a hindrance and they continues to be uh, obstruct just knowing that 2020 is coming up, then no, nothing's going to happen. We're going to continue to see the same so thing. We really are in the hands of those south of the border. Well, you know, but we can but do everything to a point. I'm optimistic, though, because at least President Trump is thinking outside of the box. He's thinking unlike any other president before him. Again, I'm going to point back. This was a deal that any president in my career would have killed to have. Mm. He's the one that made it happen. Now let's hope that it works. We are hoping. Brandon Judd, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time.